0: Welcome to the New Orleans Saints Podcast presented by Seat for Wednesday, October 7th. I hope you're all having a wonderful month so far and staying safe in this Hurricane Delta that is approaching New Orleans if you are in the New Orleans area. I hope you are all staying safe. Um, And our our thoughts are with everyone at this time, especially if you are in the Lake Charles area, but hopefully uh, this storm will continue to go west and we will be out of harm's way. But uh, on a lighter note, on today's show, we have two very great guests uh, joining us. We have Saints Hall of Famer Leroy Glover joining me uh, for an interview to talk about his Pro Football Hall of Fame nomination. Uh, As you might not know, he is also a member of the Saints Hall of Fame. He played for the Saints from 1997 to 2001. He played in the NFL from 1996 to 2008. He earned six Pro Bowl accolades and four All-Pro Uh, recognition so um, a great conversation with Leroy he is currently an assistant defensive line coach for the Los Angeles Chargers which is one of the reasons we wanted to have him on the show today but we don't get too much into the talk uh, between the Saints and Chargers obviously he is an assistant coach for the Chargers so he might be a little bit biased for the Chargers But nevertheless, great conversation, so make sure you listen to all of that. We also have another edition of your Fantasy Football Talk with Daniel Salerson and Sports Illustrated's Ben Heisler. So if you need help with fantasy football, like I do, because I had Devontae Adams playing again last week, and I had Lamar Jackson playing over Dak Prescott, and I know the one week when I play Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson's just going to go go off. So um, I need some fantasy help, football help. So I'm tuning in to Daniel Salerson and Ben Heisler on today's episode. Uh, so make sure you listen to that as well. All right, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into our interview with Saints Hall of Famer Leroy Glover. Leroy, I want to go through your football career because obviously people can look up articles, people can listen to podcasts, they can do whatever they want, but no one is going to be able to explain your career like the man himself. So can you give us a little insight um, on your career, how you would kind of how you took your steps
1: through your football career? Well, to start, you know, going to San Diego State University, graduating, uh, getting drafted by the Oakland Raiders in the fifth round. I was there for one season, got released by the Oakland Raiders, and then the next day getting picked up by the New Orleans Saints and the staff led by Mike Dicka. Um So that was, you know, a little uh, a gift and a curse, if you will, you know, being <laughs> – having your emotions at a high, then you get cut by a team. Your emotions are pretty low, but then literally within 24 hours, getting picked up and uh, having an opportunity to play for the New Orleans Saints was there for about five years. You know, I think as a team and collectively as a group, we did some phenomenal things. You know, having the, the first Saint team to win a playoff game was pretty incredible. So having some success there and then from there being a free agent, going on to the Dallas Cowboys, being able to play there for that organization for four years. And then uh, my last three seasons as a free agent, went on to the St. Louis Rams and finished my career there with the Rams.
0: You've lived in some pretty great cities. I'm from Dallas myself. People who listen to the podcast have heard me talk about it, but now I live in New Orleans. I've lived here for about seven years. I have to ask you, I hate to ask you to pick favorites, but uh, maybe you just tell me some things you liked about New Orleans and some things you like about Dallas and uh, where you are now.
1: Well, in regards to New Orleans, a couple things come to mind. Number one, obviously, the fan base and their fans. I mean, it's a, it's a ruckus place. It's, a, it's a, a great atmosphere for a football game. And then secondly, it's the food. I mean, you can't argue about the cuisine, the food, you know, the etouffee, the po boys, and all that good stuff that come along with it. I mean, those two things really stick out in my mind as two of my, my favorites. And what will always bring me back to New Orleans is the fans and the food. Uh, Dallas, you know, I think if you're a sports fan, I mean, Dallas, Texas is a place to be. You've got your Cowboys, you've got your Mavericks, you've got your Rangers, you've got a hockey team there. I mean, you've got baseball, you've got every single sport imaginable there. And once again, their fan base really supports, you know, their professional and college sports teams as well. And so fan base is phenomenal. Professional sports in general is phenomenal in Dallas, Texas. And then, you know, you got to throw in uh, in Texas in general, no state tax. You know, that, that's always a, a keeper. Uh, that always keeps people around the state of Texas.
0: Of course, um, back to football. When you had your explosive season in 2017, sacks. You're still leading on the list uh, for all time sack leader uh, with the Saints. I believe you're at number eight. When you had that explosive season after being drafted by you know Oakland and then being cut, released, and picked up, what were your feelings when you had that feel that explosive season?
1: just meant to me and you know to to a lot of folks around me that the hard work paid off you know that you know there was a dream there there was a passion there was something that couldn't be denied and finally you know folks get to see it you know not only myself but you know the entire defense that particular season I think we finished three or four in total defense in the National Football League which was incredible I mean we had some phenomenal players on that defense as well some Pro Bowl guys some guys maybe you may not have heard of but they all contributed to the success of that organization and that team and and my own success that particular season. And this is just something that, you know, it's one of those deals where, you know, you get one, then you get two, then you get three, and then they start to come in bunches. You know, the sacks start coming, the big plays start coming, the wins start coming and the success starts coming.
0: Was it especially gratifying because people qualified you as undersized?
1: Yeah, that's always, you know, you always have a, one, really a chip on your shoulder and something to prove, one. And then two, you know, you just – your internal force to, to want to be the best and to always want to put good product on tape or on the field for, for people to see. And so that was definitely a motivating factor, uh, just, you know, having come from where I came from in my professional career to now having doubted – excuse me, to, to having to prove a lot of people wrong. And then once again, just having a lot of success while, while enjoying yourself playing a game of football.
0: After having such a great career, what was your reaction when you heard that you were a Pro Football Hall of Fame nominee?
1: Uh, Proud, I mean, honored, humbled, I mean, because it's a lot of hard work that goes into it, not just by the individual, you know, it's obviously an individual accolade, but from all the teams that I've been a part of, all the organizations, all the owners, all the coaches, and all my teammates, and and my family as well, just the hard work and the, the, the dedication and the sacrifice that you put into the game, now hopefully some of that stuff will be paid back and played forward.
0: Do you see – what are some of the differences you see in the game now from the game back when you played, especially on the defensive
1: line? Yeah, there's still some phenomenal, talented defensive linemen in the National Football League all across the league. I mean, I think you're definitely seeing some bigger, stronger, faster athletes. That's definitely kind of standing out. I mean, you still got your, your your Aaron Donalds and your guys who are at the top of the game and at the cream of the crop who, who really stand out amongst the rest. But at the end of the day, it all basically boils down to blocking and tackling. So from that standpoint, the game hasn't changed that much. Yeah, they're going to protect the players, which I think is a good thing. I mean, they're going to, player safety is obviously paramount in our game today. But at the end of the day, it still comes down to blocking and tackling.
0: I got to know what your reaction was since you brought up Aaron Donald of him training with knives. Were you just like,
1: That's that's crazy. No, I think, you know, whatever you can do to find your edge. I mean, there was a day in time where guys used to be really into martial arts in the National Mm -hmm. Football League. I mean, Randy White was one of those guys and Andre Tippett, who was a black belt martial artsman. I mean, they brought that to the game. Other guys, whatever guys can do to find an edge to keep themselves competitive, to keep themselves at the top of their game. I mean, they're going to try to take advantage of it.
0: How much do you feel like your time in New Orleans shaped who you became as a player on the field and and the person you are now, really?
1: I think it shaped it tremendously. I mean, just once again, the team that gave me a shot, you know, when many other teams would not have. And so I'll be forever grateful to the organization for that. I mean, just having a brief but still a strong relationship with the late, great Tom Benson was phenomenal. I mean, he didn't talk a lot, but the conversations we did share, you know, they really meant a lot to me. And then, once again, you can start with the coaching staff and a lot of the great coaches that were part of that organization and then a lot of the great players who were part of that organization. You'll take a piece of those guys and the young ladies who work there as well, and you'll take a piece of that, and you'll take that with you everywhere you go.
0: Leroy, how do you feel like your journey um, as a football player has now helped you be a better defensive coach with the Chargers?
1: Yeah, I think the first thing that you can see is from an experience standpoint. You know, you can can kind of – you can give it – From a coach talk, quote unquote, standpoint. And then you can also give it to a young player from literally from an experience. I've I've been in your shoes. I've sat in that seat before. I understand what it's like to be sore after a game. You know, I understand what it's like to have to play with bumps and bruises. You know, you can understand, you know, situations that occur in the game. Not only can you give it to them from a player's perspective, but from a coaching perspective as well. So I think both add to the combination of making a solid coach.
0: Well, Leroy, we appreciate your time. We wish you luck and your Pro Football Hall of Fame nomination. Uh, hopefully we see you in the Pro Football Hall of Fame soon. And thanks so much for uh, joining me today.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. Huge thanks to Leroy for joining us on the show today. Before we get into our fantasy football talk with Ben Heisler, quickly a word from our friends at SeatGeek. Just like all of you, SeatGeek can't wait to get back in the stands with you to cheer on the Saints and sing along to our favorite songs again. They're using this time to make discovering, buying, and selling tickets to events in the Big Easy, well, easier. Plus, every ticket purchase on SeatGeek protected, is protected by their buyer guarantee, which means you'll get your money back or better even if your event is canceled. Guaranteed. Download the SeatGeek app today, and when the time is right, let's go. SeatGeek. Seriously, y'all, if you don't have the app, you need to download it because it's so easy. So that's just my shameless plug. Go ahead and download that app because it's really easy to use. All right, let's go ahead and get into our interview with Daniel Salerson and Ben Heisler.
2: Daniel? Thanks, Caroline. As always, we're talking fantasy football on this Wednesday. Week number five kicks off tomorrow with the Bucks and the Chicago Bears. Joining us, as always, is Ben Heisler from Sports Illustrated covering gambling and fantasy for the website. Ben, I really appreciate the time. How's everything going with you? Everything's good. Daniel excited for uh, another busy
3: week five in the NFL week four, certainly saw some more scoring, which is considerably up. We're seeing overs continue to hit uh, at a record setting pace. And uh, at least, at least from the perspective of the saints, it was good to, to see you guys get another win.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Two and two now big game against the Los Angeles Chargers on Monday night football. And I have a couple of questions regarding that game. We'll start with the running game with the New Orleans saints really picked up. Um, and it has been all year long with Alvin Kamara against the Detroit Lions, but you saw a little bit more contribution from Latavius Murray. If you have Latavius Murray, where, where should you play him this week? Is he someone that you consider as a, a flex option? How, how would you deal with him if you have him? The Chargers
3: are, are such an enigma, Daniel, only in the sense that I feel like they're winning games that they shouldn't be winning and then uh, constantly uh, losing games that they should be in complete control, control of. You know, the game against the Bucs, they basically let it slip away, let Tom Brady continue to bounce back in the second half. I, I just look at somebody like you know Latavius Murray as being very matchup dependent, uh, teams that you can allow the Saints to be able to control time of possession on. I think he's in a great situation. They want to continue to feed him the rock. They want to give him opportunities to churn up the clock. He'll get those goal line opportunities as well. Um, And yes, the Chargers, maybe statistically, you look at them and say, okay, like they haven't been uh, a stout against the run, as we've seen in years past. But this is still a team that, uh, you know, limited Clyde edwards Alaire in the running game a couple weeks ago. I thought they did a really nice job against Tampa in the running game. So to me, this doesn't really feel like an ideal spot for Latavius Murray. Now, if the Saints get up big like they did against Detroit, I think it's an entirely different situation. But I, I suppose Murray is probably in that flex spot for me, and it's also dependent too on whether or not Michael Thomas is going to be back. I, I think. News is good, at least as far as the earlier guard on this end. But, you know, they have the bye in week number six. Uh, to me, if you're New Orleans, you know how crucial this guy is to your success. I'm not rushing Michael Thomas back on the field, knowing that you have that additional bye week to get ready. So for me, uh, Murray, probably a flex play and very much on the border.
2: Absolutely. That's very good advice, considering that you mentioned that if it's a matchup basis, now fans can keep an eye on him and depending on the matchup moving forward. Um, on the other side, Austin Eckler, of course, uh, someone that, has done a really good job this season. A lot of people picked him high in drafts it is out for at least four weeks with an injury. Um, a lot of people have already picked up Josh Kelly. have already had him, but um, is there anyone else uh, relative to the Chargers backfield that maybe you want to pick up or is it someone that you just got to stick with Josh Kelly? I,
3: I think Justin Jackson might be in play. Remember Josh Kelly beat him out at the start of the season to sort of be that one B as far as early down opportunities and maybe goal line carries. Um, And and I think based on what we've seen the last couple of weeks, yeah, Josh Kelly is going to be the really popular name. But um, the fact of the matter is that he's only had a combined 17 carries for uh, 50 yards the last couple of weeks. Now, granted, those were in situations where uh, they probably should have had more opportunities to run and they really didn't. Uh, Kelly also had 23 carries against the Chiefs back in week number two when the Chargers were really doing a good job uh, trying to just keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. I think in this particular situation, he's that probably go-to guy again. I think that's in the Chargers' best interest. Keep Drew Brees, keep the Saints offense off the field as much as possible. Don't try and jab back and forth like we saw with the Saints and the Lions. That's just not going to be advantageous. Even with a a gunslinger, uh, a young gunslinger in Justin Herbert, who's been really impressive the last couple weeks. So Kelly's probably that 1A to Justin Jackson 1B, but... Uh, I know the Saints have had their issues at stopping the run this year, but I, I think they're starting to get in a better, better direction. So uh, I'm not playing anybody besides Josh Kelly.
2: What about other running backs or wide receivers out there that may be on the waiver wire that uh, fans can pick up there for their teams?
3: Um, I, I think you're sort of dealing with a, another sort of random situation here and, and just trying to figure out, okay, where where do I go? Because uh, we're seeing more and more running back injuries too, Daniel. And the fact is there just doesn't seem to be a whole lot of uh, consideration for, for sort of what comes next. Um, yeah, I, I think if we're trying to figure out sort of the ideal situation as far as, as running backs go, um, you know, Justin Jackson is I think a name that's going to be popular on the waiver wire this week. We certainly mentioned Josh Kelly. Um, there is a possibility that if your league doesn't offer an injured reserve option, the Damian Harris of the new England Patriots who looked really strong against the Kansas city chiefs on Monday night could be available. He was a popular candidate moving up drafts, ended up going in the middle of the seventh, eighth round. As far as average draft position is concerned, there's a possibility that he might be around. Uh, and then chase Edmonds is another guy that I'm intrigued by over in Arizona. Kenyon Drake has been a flat out bust. These, these first four weeks of the season, is it early? Absolutely. But this was somebody that in the second half of last season was an integral part of Arizona's success in the running game, in the passing game, inside the, Five, uh, and he's not getting touchdowns and he's not getting receiving yards. So at some point, they might have to go with a different option, and Chase Edmonds continues to produce. So it's kind of a, a high-risk flyer, if you will, but knowing that he might be around and might be dropped by somebody in a league uh, that didn't want to deal with that handcuff, go ahead and spend that free agent bidding money because I think Chase Edmonds has an opportunity right in
2: front of him in Arizona. You know, we never talk about the tight ends when it comes to waiver wire pickups or really have any questions related to the tight end. So as we're a quarter of the way through this NFL season, what's the tight end market looking like for you?
3: Uh, it's not great to be completely honest. And I think it's just because it's such a week to week league at that position, you know, who the studs are going to be. And then afterwards it's trying to think, okay, how do I make sure that I don't get the guy who already got the points? You know, Robert Tanyan is going to be the number one tight end option on the waiver wire this week. He had three touchdowns from Aaron Rodgers, but they also use multiple tight ends in that offense. They run the ball an awful lot. We saw Jamal Williams. Uh, That's another guy, by the way, that fantasy managers should consider picking up on the waiver wire. Um, but at this point, I think you kind of have to sort of look matchup dependent uh, in this particular case. So I'm just not really sure whether or not there's anybody outside of Robert Tanyan uh, that you can feel really good about. Maybe Cameron, uh, Cameron Brait with O.J. Howard gone for the year. Uh, Gerald Everett has seen some more opportunities. He caught a touchdown in the first, in the first half uh, in the game against the Giants. But uh, it, it's kind of no man's land right now with the tight end spot.
2: Before I let you go, um, talk about the Browns who are a three 3-1, and, and Baker Mayfield is someone that I, I fell for yeah, last year and ended up paying the price, and the Baker Mayfield trap seems like he's doing a lot better this year. Through four weeks, where are you at with Baker Mayfield as far as owning him, playing him, um, chances to prove How's the schedule look like for him, and, and what should fantasy owners do for whether you trade for him or just kind of wait and see how it goes?
3: Yeah. The problem about Baker Mayfield is that despite the fact that, you know, the Browns are having a better year, he's not having uh, a particularly impressive fantasy year. He only has 729 yards through four games on the season, seven touchdowns. He hasn't turned the ball over, uh, which is definitely, you know, something that you want to feel good about. Uh, And he also hasn't been running too. You know, he's only averaging about 14 points per game on the fantasy side. Right now he's coming in as the 26th best quarterback, uh, in the NFL when it comes to fantasy. So, you know, I, I, I kind of look at the Browns right now as sort of an ideal sell high candidate uh, when it comes to both Baker Mayfield, if you're looking at Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper finally got himself involved. We've been waiting for that. Uh, Kevin Stefanski's offense is very much predicated on efficiency and on play action. Um, that means a lot of running opportunities. That means a lot of cream hunt. You might see some Dearness Johnson with Nick Chubb going on injured reserve. That's going to be another name that I think fantasy managers need to watch out for. Um, I, I just don't see as much of a high ceiling for Cleveland. And, you know, it's, it's sort of, there's sort of a contrast there because you would think, okay, if the Browns are playing better, they're more fantasy relevant. The reality of the situation is it's really only from the running side because it's opening up play action. I just don't think Baker or Odell Beckham are going to have that type of performance over the course of the year. The Dallas Cowboys defense, Daniel, flat out just stinks.
2: Yep, absolutely. Should be interesting to see how it plays out for the Browns and actually for the Dallas Cowboys on the other end. So uh, Ben, I really appreciate it as always. Great stuff. And uh, we'll look forward to next week. Thanks for the time. Anytime, Daniel. Always fun. All right. Ben Heisler with us from Sports Illustrated. Caroline, back to you. That'll
0: do it for today's edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek with us having a Monday night football game. Everything is pushed back a little bit more. So tomorrow or Thursday, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, Thursday, uh, we will have more interviews with with Saints players available on NewOrleansSaints.com and the Saints app. And Coach Payton will speak to the media. So all of that will be available where you can always find all of your information on the Saints app or the team website. All right, for Leroy Glover, Ben Heisler, Daniel Salerson, thanks so much for joining us on the Wednesday edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by C.